Welcome to the show. I'm Genesee, and I'd like to take a few minutes before we begin the actual episode to ask a favor. Uh, I haven't done this before very often, and I'm going to tell you about something that I want to participate in. I feel like we need more women gamers in the world of RP games. And right now, uh, there aren't a lot of great representations, uh, not a lot, I guess, spoken about women who play RP games like Dungeons and Dragons or card games or Magic the Gathering or things like that. And I have applied to be one of nine fates for the card RP game Genesis. You may recall that they were on the show mm, a while ago, maybe nine months ago, to talk about their game. And they are looking for women who will be game masters to run their games and to cosplay one of the nine fates. There's going to be nine of us, obviously. And I'm applying for the fate of strength. I would really ask if you would take two seconds to click on my application. All you have to do is say, rate this video. It's a star. You don't have to uh, register to the site or anything like that. You just click on the star and give it a a one-up star. You can share it. You can tweet it. You can Facebook it. Whatever else you feel like you would like to do. You can go to oneofthenine.com slash Gray. And one and nine are actual numbers. I also have this linked on the Facebook page. I'll have it linked on Genesee.com and I'll be sharing it on Twitter. So if you have trouble finding it or doing a search for one of nine in Genesee Gray, you can find it on any of those sites. Um, it's really something I'd love to do to be able to cosplay the House of Strength, Tara, and uh, get a chance to go to conventions and run these games as a game master. Representing women in this way is something that is a dream of mine, and I would really appreciate it if you would take literally three seconds to click on the Rate This video so it can get better ratings. Now, some news about the show. This was recorded on Twitch about a week ago, and uh, it has been getting a lot of comments since then, especially on the HTL forums. And I'll and a lot of debate actually as well. And I want to address some of that before you listen to the video so that you can be thinking about the points addressed and decide for yourself, um, I guess, what your opinions are about it. So first of all, um, my initial idea for the show was to have some uh, of the ladies I'd met through HTL, Krista and Victoria, on again to talk about the ending for Mass Effect 3, the extended cut DLC. And uh, just get a chance to hang out with them since I had missed talking to them. I also thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to have an actual Bioware representative there to talk about uh, you know, the reaction of the fans to the DLC and uh, maybe get to know someone personally from Bioware as well. So I had the chance to have Jessica Marison on, who is the community manager from Bioware, and Victoria and Krista from uh, HTL, Krista actually has gotten a new job working for Fifth Column Games, and she's a community manager in her own right. As I began to write the show, I began to see this great opportunity that, wow, we have actual members of HTL, and even though they're speaking for themselves and not speaking for Hold the Line, um, we have people that have felt the way that a lot of the community for HTL has about Mass Effect, and then we have kind of their polar opposites, the community manager from Bioware, both people who have had very distinctly uh, polar views on Mass Effect, and we're all going to get together in this virtual room and discuss the ending. Uh, and wow, what a great opportunity to see 
you know, if anything has changed as far as the initial formation of the retake Mass Effect and the whole the line community, and to see if anything has changed on Bioware's side, I'm sure that everybody now can look back at this whole situation that has become so so public and media uh, driven, and say, you know, wow, this is a great example of how the community can band together for something that they're passionate about, and you know, actually achieve some results and get a chance to feel like they're part of the process. And also it's a chance for a developer to, you know, be able to continue to have their own art and their own autonomy at the same time that they are uh, also working together with their fans and coming up with almost like a joint project in this way. So this became a little bit more than just hanging out and, um, and a chance to to see if there could be a little bit of closure, a little bit of reflection on some of the things that had happened in the past, and uh, also to talk about you know this this DLC, this extended cut, and has it solved any of the problems that had been kind of between these two? Now that being said, all parties, uh, unless asked specifically to represent their company, are just representing their own opinions as individuals, um, as is stated in the podcast as well, but. I do think it's neat to have people from such opposing sides uh, of an issue come together and find, you know, a lot of common ground and a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment playing a game together uh, that seems to transcend some of these issues that uh, had happened. So I'd like you to listen and uh, see what you think about all of this. Uh, there's definitely a active discussion going on on the HTL forums right now. Uh, there are sections of HTL that feel that this should have been a harder-hitting podcast, uh, asking some of the more difficult questions to Bioware, and that may end up being a podcast done by somebody else at some point. But my goal was to have everyone get together and see if if everyone uh, could reflect on uh, the past of this issue and the present and see if everything, uh, if anything would have been changed, if anything would have been done the same, just to talk about the ending. So I hope you enjoy the show and thank you for listening. And welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 70th episode in a weekly series called ECDLC. Here with me is Jessica Marizan, Community Manager from Bioware, Krista Hauser with Fifth Column Games, Hold the Line and Retake Mass Effect, and Victoria Cooper from the HTL and Retake Movement. Last week's discussion was a discussion with Jameson Durrell from Volition about THQ and, ironically enough, the controversy with used games. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Saturday, July 6th, and we are going to discuss all things Mass Effect 3 DLC and learn more about the ladies. So to the chat room, we will take questions at the end, so if you save them and ask later, that would be great. And let's start with news of the week. A lot of what we'll be talking about is personal opinion, and I'll try to be clear when I'm asking a question that asks ladies to represent the company's point of view. Otherwise, please assume that all views are personal opinions. So let's start with you, Jessica. Sure. 
<laughs> Let's get to the official Bioware stuff, and then you can tell us your personal news. Um, I understand that the Extended Cut DLC music soundtrack has just been released for free. Can you tell us a little more about that and maybe where people can find it? Yeah, it has. Um, we were really excited to work again with Sam Hulick, who did a lot of stuff from um, all our Mass Effect games. Um, and so we made about 16 minutes worth of extra um, music for the extended cut. And we got so many uh, people who loved the music that we decided, hey, why don't we release this for everyone to enjoy. Um, and of course, everyone likes free things. So um, <laughs> yes. it's kind of, it's just kind of our gift to the community saying, um, you know, we're really, we're really proud of the work that Sam put into this. And we definitely want to make it available for the fans. So you can go to the Bioware social network, you'll have to log in with your origin ID. And you can download it right there. Very good. Anything else we need to know in news from Bioware this week before you get to your own? Mm. Well, we are actually working really hard on all of our San Diego Comic-Con plans. So uh, San Diego, oh my gosh, it's in a week, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't even think about it. <laughs> so I guess starting a week from now, we're going to be at San Diego. We have a few different spaces. Um, we wanted to be mindful of the fact that Comic-Con is now selling out within like three hours. So mm -hmm. we have a space um, across the street from the convention center. You don't need a badge. Uh, it's at the Hilton Gas Lamp. We have one of the ballrooms in there that we kind of turned into a fun loungy area. And we will be showcasing Mass Effect multiplayer with a bunch of the devs. And maybe you will get to see the newest multiplayer pack. I'm not telling you that, but maybe you'll see it. Um, and so you'll get to play with the devs, have a lot of fun with them, ask them your questions. Um, and then we have a space within the convention at the Dark Horse booth where you can buy Mass Effect merchandise. Um, we also have a lot of great partners um, that like Triforce Weapons um, that have different booths showcasing things. So we have that on the Bioware blog. You can see all the different things we're doing. Um, it is kind of... Um, going to be chaotic but it's going to be a lot of fun and come out saturday night at the bioware base no badge no invite required and we're having a fun meet and greet for a few hours with uh i'm handing out drink tickets so i feel really powerful <laughs> purgatory bar it doesn't get better than that i know come get boozy with uh aria while she's angry that she can't get her homeworld back not really but you can pretend aria is there that's right very nice. So what is your personal news of the week? Are there any games that you're playing? Um, let's see. Well, I was playing Dawn Guard um, recently. Oh. It's actually a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. So okay. it's taken me a little bit of time. Or maybe it's just me like running around over and over again and not being able to uh, keep focused on that game. But <laughs> playing Dawn Guard, um, I am doing a lot of fun things with my side project, Crab Cat Industries, that mm -hmm. I run with uh, Holly Conrad, who's also Bioware's official fem shep um, and our like amazing costumer. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of crazy things. I'm not getting as much sleep as I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I like the the uh, logo that you just come out with for your side project is it Crab Cat, Crabby Cat? Yep, Crab yes. Cat Industries. It's very neat. I just saw that the other day. So tell us a little more about what that is and what you do there. So Crab Cat is um, it's an entertainment brand. We started out making costumes for ourselves in a garage, and then realizing that um, other people enjoyed us 
enjoyed watching us get burned with glue guns and, <laughs> you know, having zany antics and mixing vodka with like blue Mountain Dew and it, all, all kinds of like really crazy things. So we were like, well, we should just be broadcasting this for the whole world to see because we're too crazy not to. Oh, okay. So you record it as you make the costumes that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And um, so we've recently parted up with Nerdist Industries uh, and Chris Hardwick. So we have a show coming out later this fall on their channel and we have some exciting other projects. Um, so it's, it's about making costumes, but it's also, you know, about, you know, exploring different things and kind of nerddom and, and uh, fandom and uh, just, you know, figuring out what you want to do and building a community around it. I heard that your wig was, you lost your wig or it was stolen or something like this. Are you going to be dressing for Comic-Con for the next year? I, not uh, yep, I'm going to be, I, so I have two different things. I ordered a bunch of space leggings from Black Milk Clothing. Okay. Um, I definitely recommend it for all the ladies out there um, because I hate blue jeans. I think they make everyone look unflattering. So I got a bunch of leggings. So when I'm not in costume, I'm still going to feel like dressed up. And then when I'm in costume, I'll be dressed as Ashley, although I don't have a wig right now and I'm kind of freaking out about it. I think my <laughs> wig like fell out of the like box. I don't know. I've looked everywhere for oh. it. I'm kind of heartbroken. But... So we'll fix it. Something this always happens. So if it's not this, it's like the costume rips in half. You have to tape it together. So. Right. Well, that's the, the thing about doing that. I think you have to be a creative soul, and you pretty much just jack of all trades it to make it work. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Excellent. Okay, Krista, how was your holiday? And I saw your pictures. It looked really fun. You always seem to have wonderful get-togethers with your friends. How was your fourth? Uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. I'm. I'm kind of excited about uh, Comic-Con, actually. Yeah, you're going too. Are you going oh, officially or are you uh, going as just yeah. fun? Uh, no, I'm not going like through work. I got my tickets last year. I missed the truck panel last year to get tickets. Um, uh, sacrifice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I actually have um, my armor. Is I've been watching it being made all week. So um, Bill Doran is making my armor, and he's been posting pictures all week. I don't even know how I'm going to get it between now and Comic-Con. Like, we haven't even... <laughs> I don't even know, but yeah, so I'm super, super excited. Uh, I've never had a cosplay like that hardcore. And then I also have the Mass Effect 2 Shepard dress. So that's going to be awesome. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I don't, and then, yeah, I'm kind of like just like, I'm like, holy crap. That's like, that's like in a week. Yes. I know. Everyone's uh, so surprised. It's really coming oh up. <laughs> I don't think anyone's prepared for Comic-Con. So tell us more about Fifth Column Games, because I know that you love this job, and you've been going on about this job, how amazing this is. So what ah, is what Krista, is the... shut up about your job. No, uh, yeah. you can so, be happy. It's allowed. So basically, uh, a friend of a friend, so okay, a really good friend of mine, um, we do this show, this web series called Girl Girl Trouble Time. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, I explain it as like real life adventure time. Like it's really quirky and random. Um, and so she told me to add somebody on Facebook, which, like, if any of my fans know, like, I don't really add people I don't know on Facebook. I'm kind of weird about it. Um, and I did. Like, I was just like, okay. Like, she doesn't really recommend people. So I added this person on Facebook. And I got an email from him, like, a week later that was like, oh, my company is looking for a community manager. And we make video games. And we're right by the Metreon. And, you know, whatever. And I was like, cool. Why don't I come check out your office? So I show up for, like, an impromptu, like, like meet and greet sort of thing and they're like we're we're gonna interview you and I was like oh oh god okay 
So I go in the conference room and I'm in the conference room for four hours. I meet everybody in the company and they're like, please come work for us. And I'm like, wow. oh, okay. They're like, come make video games with us. And I was like, all right, I will. <laughs> oh, no, no, I couldn't possibly. Well, if you insist. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, it's a tiny little independent studio that's um, officially only been around for less than a year. Um, right now we're working with A&E, they're our publisher, and we're doing uh, Pawn Stars, the video game, and Top, Gun Top Shot, um, which are both Facebook games. And then we have some really cool in-house stuff that we are working on, but it's not official yet, so I'm not allowed to talk about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just really fun. We're uh, less than 20 people, and my office, so they were having Nerf gun wars while I was being interviewed. That That's a good sign. That means you want yeah. to work there. Like, I'm in a glass room right now, and they're, like, they're like waving at me and making faces. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys, stop. Like, I'm trying to do something. Um, but yeah, there are toys all over the floor. It looks like, um, it looks like Tom Hanks' office in the movie Big. It's awesome. Okay. And I play on Facebook all day, and they pay me to do that. Yeah, your job does sound amazing. I like that. Okay, Victoria, your turn. News of the week. You were so difficult to research, girl, because you're so... I'm writing this thesis about... <laughs> there's there's nothing that I can pick on you for in your Twitter feed. So what is yeah, your news of the week? I'm not, I'm not really a... Um, I'm not much of a broadcaster, but um, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm working on a conference paper, which I'll be giving on Tuesday, and it's not ready. Um, and if the idea of conference paper bores the crap out of you, let no. me just say, it's on Skyrim, and it's got dragons in it. Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it's on um, uh, playing in medieval worlds and the construction of national identity, which sounds boring. Dragons. <laughs> I've committed to the uh, Skyrim pilot study. I said I would do it, so now I have to fill it out, and I was wondering what that was. So, yes, tell us a little more about uh, that. Okay, so um, basically, this conference paper this conference paper was supposed to be on Dragon Age Origins because I wrote my master's dissertation on it and signed up for this conference a year ago, so I was going to present a chapter from that. And as I was talking it over with my supervisor, we ended up talking about my PhD work, which is more focused in on um, game worlds. Um, as opposed to uh, female characters, which is what my master's was focused on. And I was like, oh, I should just give a paper on this instead. So that's what I'm doing. And um, I've conducted this pilot study, which is basically to assess some of your um, choices in-game. And obviously I can't say too much because it might lead you to give me certain answers, and I don't really want to do that. Okay. But, um, but that's what it's for. And basically um, I'm going to look at the answers, look at the responses, and a pilot study is generally a learning experience to see if um, conducting a full-scale study will be uh, useful and appropriate and to teach me the best way to ask questions um, if, I, if it's understandable, if it's accessible, that kind of thing. So um, the responses so far have been really interesting and if any of you have played Skyrim and haven't taken my survey, please take it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Is there linkage in the chat, Victoria? Uh, no. Yeah, where can we find your survey, Victoria? You can find it on Twitter at Siren, which is where I did. S Y R I N. I'll retweet it. This sounds fascinating. Yeah, thanks. Like yesterday, when I was trying to hand this link out. Other people were beating me to it, so I'm really rubbish. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just retweeted it as well a couple hours ago. So hopefully, 
you'll get enough people to do it. And I would like to get a preview on your next paper, which is a subject of interest to me. And I know we've kind of talked about it briefly in chat. And I'm hoping I could convince you to come on in the next couple of weeks when I do an actual show about this. I would call it gender studies in gaming. I don't know how you would particularly title it, but a lot of things have been happening in the news recently um, that sort of highlight the division sometimes between people that are supportive of uh, women in gaming and people that feel like they should probably make a sandwich. So <laughs> I don't want to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I, I heard you were writing a paper similar to that. Yes. Um, um, so, yeah, basically I did my MA on... Um, Dragon Age Origins because I felt that um, <laughs> this is going to sound like such a suck up, but that Bioware had made progress in the portrayal of female characters, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I kind of explored that. Um, it's not all good though, um, but in relation to medieval studies, which is my kind of other focus. Mm -hmm. So recently, as with this uh, kind of storm blowing up in Anita Sarkeesian's face, and. I feel like we've had a lot of articles lately over uh, booth babes and the reception of female attendees and press at conferences, uh, sorry, conventions. Um, and it's not, it's not been awesome and it's just something that's always there in the background and it's so prominent and so obvious that people kind of ignore it, it's almost accepted in gaming and you know we recently had the thing that, I can't remember his name, the guy who said that it wouldn't be the fighting game community if there wasn't sexual harassment. Right, I remember that, cross assault. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I want to write a paper which is um, not really for publishing, but more for, um, I suppose, what the university calls public outreach, which the point isn't to get stuffy academics to read it. The point is to get actual real people to read it, <laughs> be interested, you know, and highlight some issues. So I'm working on that, and I'll probably reference a lot of um, Dragon Age Origins, Anita Sarkeesian's work, um, and just some of the issues that have been coming up lately, um, because it, it surprises me that they're still coming up. I mean, the, the most recent Alien game has no female Marines. <laughs> you know, women are overlooked. Lots of uh, um, groups are overlooked. So before anyone kind of is like, oh, other other people get overlooked too. I know, but but you have to kind of pick one thing to focus on. I will never get anything done. <laughs> but um, that's kind of what I'm working on. Excellent. Okay, I'll be interested to, to hear your opinions on that, and hopefully I can persuade you and twist your arm to come join me for that. Some other random stuff that I'm just curious about. Um, I've been reading, Jessica, on your blog, a lot about Dragon Age, and a little bit about Dark Horse Comics and Bioware being involved, I would say a Dragon Age comic. Can you tell us uh, more about that? I'm curious. Sure. Um, David Gator, uh, who's the lead writer for Dragon Age, he actually wrote some Dragon Age comics. The um, Dark Horse is such an amazing um, group. I, I've always been a big fan of them, even before I worked for Bioware. But um, they they reach out, and you know, a lot of companies they won't have the people who actually are involved in you know the game do their like novels and and uh, their comics, but for the most part, we have um, our writers who are writing the comics, who are working with um, the really great um, comic book writers and artists over at Dark Horse. So um, David's um, first comic is going to be available at, at San Diego Comic-Con um, in hardback form. That's what I've been waiting for. So I'm going to have to fight the crowd to snatch up a copy for myself. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Uh, a merger of two awesome things. 
Definitely. <laughs> okay. Let's move a bit into the DLC discussion. Um, some history uh, and some official company stances as well, probably here. On March 6, 2012, Mass Effect 3 was released to critical acclaim, and Andrew Rayner of Game Informer awarded it 10 out of 10 and asserted that Bioware has delivered one of the most intricately crafted stories in the history of the medium. It was rated the most anticipated game of 2012 and hit stores to over 3.5 million fans. And then I'm going to quote from Wikipedia. Uh, the objective source, we all know it is. <laughs> <laughs> the game's ending has been controversial with many longtime Bioware and Mass Effect fans. Criticisms include the lack of variation in the endings in view of the player's choices over the previous two games, as well as a general lack of closure, character inconsistencies, and plot holes. And displeased fans organized an internet campaign called Retake Mass Effect to demand a better ending to the game, part of which includes a charity drive, which I didn't realize, to Child's Play, which officially raised $80,000 in less than two weeks, ended up being shut down uh, Charles Child's Play's request because there was some confusion among donors as to the purpose of the donations, and also claims that uh, Retake was unwilling to become associated with any other cause in that. But they did raise $1,000 in under one hour to go toward the purchase of 402 cupcakes, which were made of three different colors, red, green, and blue, to correspond to the different endings, and yet all had the same vanilla flavor. <laughs> Man. They were then sent to the Bioware's main office, who in turn donated all of them to a local charity. And one fan, Spike Murphy, went so far as to take his complaint to the Federal Trade Commission, and the agency was created to protect consumers, as we all know. His argument was that Bioware didn't deliver on the promise of the game. However, now with the release of the extended cut, he's happy with the end product. Uh, and there was acknowledgement from the CEO, Ray Mizuka, that uh, the company plan planned to address the endings and announcements made on the free DLC download for the extended cut. So I guess to go back and kind of begin the discussion on this for those who might not know, or just to catch us up to the point we are now with the release of the extended cut, um, Jessica, how did Bioware respond to all of this uh, craziness regarding the endings and what they would call the inconsistencies. Right. Um, so obviously this is something that um, was not, you know, a, a great feeling for a lot of the people at Bioware. Um, but we kind of all put our heads together. I um, got um, my own Twitter feed shut down a few times by Twitter for tweeting too many times at people in one hour. So don't tweet more than, I think wow. it's like, I think it's like if you tweet more than a thousand tweets in 24 hours, your account will like get temporarily um, <laughs> shut down because they assume you're a spammer. Wow. So I, I spent a lot of time talking with the community, um, gathering feedback. I got really good at Excel really fast <laughs> um, to compile all these things. And, um, you know, from coming from a big company, it is it is really easy to be skeptical of, um, you know, those people's um, motivations and, you know, what's going on behind the closed doors. So, um, you know, I can I can blather on for days about how Bioware really um, cared about the feedback and, and really wanted this to be a great experience for the fans. Um, ultimately, it's up to everyone to decide whether or not um, that's true for them. Um, but we we spent a lot of time, we had a lot of meetings about what people um, wanted to see, what what were the biggest issues um, and we decided that you know we split it up into several several camps of like um, 
of different kinds of consumers because obviously not everyone is the same. There's um, even with a lot of like the the um, interpretations and theories that are going around. There's you know tons of different iterations. So we said, okay, who are the people that we think um, you know are are Bioware supporters, but they feel really hurt in this or confused or they they wanted more closure than we provided, and so uh, we took the feedback that. Um, I gathered and that uh, Chris Priestley, who's in charge of our forums, gathered and a lot of the devs who kind of just, you know, would hang out in the forums but not say anything. And um, we we put this together and said, okay, well, what can we do for our fans? And it was always important for us to make this available at no additional con cost to the, um, the owners of Mass Effect 3. And um, we kind of uh, busted um, our... I don't know the anyway we we busted something and uh, worked worked for a few months on the extended cut and um, we worked right up until the last day to um, put it into certification and um, I think uh, a lot of us are still kind of recovering from that um, a, a bunch of people were supposed to take vacation and um, they were like no you know this is this is a really important thing that we need to do um, and. I'm really, really happy with the reception it's gotten. Um, okay. There was a lot of a lot of people who a few days before tweeted at me and at Bioware and Mass Effect, which those are um, all Twitter channels that I control. So pretty much when you're tweeting at Mass Effect or Bioware, you're tweeting at me. Um, a lot of people saying like, oh, are you going to be worried? Like be prepared for another um, witch hunt, be prepared for people to get upset all over again. And I'm really happy with the feedback it got. Even people who weren't 100% pleased with it, um, they were really respectful. They were they they could see that there was a genuine effort to reconnect with our fans and do something that, because ultimately, if you're not appealing to your core consumers, um, you're losing out on the people who are the most loyal to you. And when something like, you know, the Fox News sexism, uh, Liara's sex scandal came out, like those are the same people who were the first people to defend Bioware. So it's important that those are the, the people that, you know, we want to keep loyal and we want to make sure they're happy and taken care of. Very good. I like that stance. I would ask you personally, uh, was there a lot of pressure on you as a community manager? Because fans obviously got very heated about this and very passionate about their shepherds. Did you have to spend a lot of time, you know, obviously you did with a thousand tweets on crowd control and things like that. Did people, for the most part, were people respectful or were people taking it to a point where you felt like it was very extreme, you know, th like making rude things at you or, or taking it personally at you? Um, I would say it was a bit of both. Um, Internally in the company, no one expects, um, everyone expects that you do a good job and that, you know, you put in the hours that are required, but um, I really tried to go above and beyond of, you know, what was expected for me and say like, okay, you know, I'm actually doing this in my personal time. There, there were like nights that I would get like two hours of sleep and just keep my phone next to me and just respond to as many people as I could. Um, because I, I think that even though you know, we we really couldn't say much because we were figuring out exactly what we wanted to do and how we wanted to um, to 
actually create the extended cuts, so we didn't have a lot of information. Um, it was important that we kept those lines of communication open. Um, and I think that a lot of people understood that it's always, it's always the case where people who are happy um, aren't going to go out of their way to, um, you know, pester people about how happy they are. They're just going to be happy and, you know, they'll say something and then they'll, you know, go on being happy. So um, even though, you know, the, my channel and um, our official Bioware channels had more unhappy people than happy people, um, I knew that it was because, you know, those are the people that aren't getting what they need. The people who were getting what they needed kind of walked away and they were like, okay, that's that's all I needed. That's always um, the case. <laughs> so I know. So I mean I didn't take it personally because um I think most people, even the people who start acting kind of like jerks, I think they're just people who are having a really bad day. Um, and, you know, as soon as you call them out on that or as soon as you provide them with, with what it is that they're looking for, they'll usually say, hey, I'm, you know, I got really heated. I'm sorry about that. Um, there is like the small percentage that just have absolutely no social graces or, or self-awareness or they really just don't consider what they're doing as, you know, poor behavior. Mm -hmm. And those are unfortunately the people that, you know, at some point, as a community manager and as a person who is online you just have to say okay well you can't please everyone and if you try to please everyone you're just going to burn yourself out so I'm really sorry but I, I can't I can't do anything for you and um, if they keep you know pestering you that's when the block button comes in handy I think I've blocked like honestly like maybe 35 people ever that's not much so, yeah no. well okay excellent Let's move a little bit to hold the line and kind of talk about it from that perspective as well. Uh, Krista or Victoria, whoever wants to go first, uh, tell a little bit about what you hope to accomplish with the Retake Mass Effect uh, movement and hold the line and uh, I guess the general um, guidelines on the manner in which you want to do that. I've, uh, I've actually been really busy at work so Victoria <laughs> might want to take this one. Oh you were there at the time. Um, I think I mean for me personally the start of the movement started across various social channels and uh, it was just about I don't know and I, I didn't at first I really didn't think there would be any change made and I just I don't know I wanted to make my voice heard um, and then as we got into hold the line and kind of developed this ideology that um, a lot of us kind of agreed on this um, civility and positivity and constructiveness and the kind of main aim of Hold the Line is to um, engage in dialogue and to request that um, developers or their representatives engage in dialogue with us so that we can work together because there's only so much so many surveys you can fill in or um, that sort of thing I think before you wonder if it's a one-sided conversation and also um, some people some people really don't know how to behave on the internet and everybody <laughs> has their moments I, I mean you know we're all funny on the internet sometimes but um, some people some people just kind of ruin it for the rest of us and hold the line just isn't up for that um, we want to be able to talk back and forth. So it's not just about proving that gamers have a voice, it's that proving gamers can hold a discussion, hold a conversation and um, hopefully um, we've achieved starting a dialogue uh, with Bioware and uh, I think hopefully that dialogue will expand and continue um, much much more beyond 
complaining about a game whose ending people didn't like. No, I'm not saying it's not kind of a worthy thing to offer feedback for. I'm just saying that um, the kind of setup we've got here is a really good one, and there are so many positive and intelligent people that um, believe in the tone of uh, civility and dialogue um, that I think we will really go somewhere. And uh, I think that's why so many people have settled into HDL, whereas uh, the retake movement has kind of found its um, it's found its conclusion now. Whether whether it's the conclusion people wanted. I don't think retake Mass Effect goes any further now. Don't lynch me. <laughs> That's one of my questions I will have. You can expound on in a, little, in a second here. Uh, I'm going to ask Krista. Being a, a, a member of the forums on HTL, I kind of know some of the answers to this, but what are the ways that you've responded to people you would consider disrespectful or angry fans or people that are particularly heated? Um, and what would you consider taking it too far? There's there's actually kind of a thing where whenever I get kind of mad at people on the forums, it's it's very rare, and I think that it scares the crap out of people. So this actually <laughs> seems this actually seems to have worked in my favor um, because I will see people um, being kind of jerks, and I just kind of like sit there and steam about it, and then when it gets to the point where I have to interject. Um, Sirent has made jokes about how I will come in with like some sort of fucking like Paragon speech, and Chris, uh, <laughs> stop smiling! Ah! Oh my god! So I'll come in with one of my Paragon speeches, and I'll be like, you know what? Like this is completely unacceptable, and here's a completely logistical explanation why. And usually it ends with people being like, I'm really sorry, I I made you mad, kitten, <laughs> and. That actually makes a lot of sense, and I'm really sorry for being a jerk on the internet. So um, that kind of works for me. That's, I mean, I just very, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm a very much a people person. So whenever I see people that are just um, attacking each other or just being, I don't know, God-winning threads and things like that, I'm just like, you guys, like seriously, this, you're, can you see yourself? You know. So I, I don't know. I think that people, for the most part, are. Um, very respectful. I think HTL is an awesome community. Uh, the people that I've met, like that I just keep up with, even on Twitter, um, everybody's just really amazing. And so usually when you're like, hey, you're being kind of a troll, people are like, oh yeah, I kind of am. And then you have the couple people that are literally, they're just trolls. That's all they want to do. They are not there for the community. They're not there for the cause. They're not there for other people. And you just have to, you know, kind of I don't know. I, I can't even remember if we've had to ban anybody yet, but you just have to be like, you know, like this isn't acceptable. Um, I've had people email me and be like, you know, this person is harassing me, and I'll go like mama bear, and I'll be like, you can't harass other members. Like it's n it's not appropriate. Like do you, if you want to get kicked out, that's what you're going for. It's working. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone's been really decent, and we haven't had to take like a lot of, I don't know control over like situations and you can pretty much just tell people that they're being I don't know disrespectful and I don't know everybody's pretty awesome <laughs> for the most part okay question for you first Victoria and then I'm gonna ask you the same question Krista what would you change if anything about the retake movement or hold the line and what are you most proud of uh, definitely the most proud of the community that's super easy uh, I just think that people are amazing and um, Stop it, chat. You're so distracting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, the, really, there's a, there's a few things that I would change, and really they're all very minuscule things that I think just kind of, like, hurt 
the overall idea of the things and that's whenever um things like i i didn't i did i understand but i didn't approve of the the guy that went to like the better business bureau and like things like that where it's like you really didn't think that through um but with a movement that's so big it's really hard to you're going to have people that do stupid things. So things like that, things where people, um, I mean, like people that like Jessica had a block on Twitter, like things like that. Like you just want to shake them and be like, do you realize what you're doing? Like you're not helping by any means. Um, people that are just, that destroy what you're working for are really the only things that I would really change, I think. Okay. Victoria, same question. If you have anything to add to that. Yeah, probably, uh, Probably that, but I mean, I would change people's attitude. It's just like yeah. I would also have world peace and solve hunger and, you know, improve, improve tolerance across the nation. But no, um, that I mean, that is obviously if you could change anything. I think logistically, something we could have changed. Hmm. I don't know actually. I'm not. I'm not sure if there's anything because it was such a grassroots kind of crazy movement, and I enjoyed that about it. But having said that. I think some things were said um, in anger or passion that perhaps people regret now. And I think I've probably said some things that I don't mean. And um, because they're on the internet, they're there forever. And I wouldn't like to be pulled up. It's like, you said this. And I've not said anything particularly bad, but just things that I now think, like, I was really wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Um, and it would be really nice if you could go back. Oh, I mean, hindsight's got twenty twenty vision, so... Um, <laughs> You know, you know, I mean, things like, like the cupcakes, for instance, after, after the fact, you see how it affected both sides. And I thought it was really funny and really cute. And I was totally behind it. I donated my money. And then uh, my boyfriend said to me, because um, by the way, I donated them and weren't very, it didn't seem very happy about it. And I was like, oh, you know, that's such a, what a sourpuss. And my boyfriend said to me, how would you feel if everyone told you that you'd done this piece of work and it was crap? and then they put a cupcake on top of it. Like, you would feel ridiculous and humiliated and made fun of. And I was like, oh yeah. And it makes perfect sense. I'm like, oh man, I really didn't think of that. What a jerk. And it's just those kind of things you get caught up and you don't, you don't see it from both sides. Um, and having done that, I might do some things differently now. But the thing I'm most proud of is, is the place we're at now, which, um, you kind of go through some teething issues, you figure out what you're doing, and like I said before, I think HL's in uh, a nice place, or it's going to be in a nice place soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, same question to you, Jessica, not as community manager, but just as a player yourself. Do you think Bioware could have changed anything in the situation, and what are you most proud of them doing? Um, I think that, you know, this is something that everyone in the industry is, was really looking at. Um, and and I think that this was, it wasn't, you know, the first time that, it's, it certainly wasn't the first time that um, anyone has taken issue with um, a piece of, of work or entertainment or art or, you know, whatever you want to call it, that um, they, they didn't like some of it and it had to be changed. Like, there's countless examples in film, in games, in uh, books where there were rewrites that happened. Um, but I think that in in this situation, um, you, you really can't go wrong with um, not not over communication because there will get a point where you're over communicating and you are 
um, now starting to say incorrect information or you're saying things that you know are not are not timely and later will be um, changed uh, but I, I do think that everyone took away from this that it's important to talk to your fans because even if they don't agree with you um, if they understand the reason behind why you're doing something, um, they're at least going to say, okay, well, I don't agree, but I respect you for treating me like an adult and talking to me about it. Um, and I, th I think that that's kind of the biggest thing that um, all game companies are going to take away from this is, you know, you, you, can't, you, you can't take your fan base and, um, you know, treat them, treat them like they are just um, you know, a number and, uh, oh, well, you know, that's just X amount of people who are saying that because, uh, you know, the smallest, the smallest group of people can make the loudest amount of noise and, um, the, the, that just carries. And again, like Victoria was saying, everything that you have on the internet is there forever. Um, and so people can look and, you know, people definitely have gone and said to me, well, you said this at this time and then later this <laughs> happened. And, you know, I'd say, well, yeah, but unfortunately it changed, but that was the information that existed and was true at the time. Um, so I would say, I would say, I, I hope that everyone takes from this that you need to communicate with your consumer base and more importantly with your loyal fan base and, um, you need to treat them like equals because if if it weren't for them, you wouldn't exist. Um, so you you can't you can you know go on as much as you want about um, making something and and being proud of it, but if no one else is is behind you, then you're, you're just there kind of by by yourself. Um, tooting your own horn so I think that I think that everyone across the industry is going to take this and say okay we'll look at the power that fans can have and that's something that you're seeing at like at you know at comic-con for instance if it's selling out in three hours that's not because you know the industry has done anything to push it that's because fans are so passionate about their entertainment that it's no longer just something that you do on as a pastime it becomes part of who you are as part of your identity um, and I think that that's a big thing that Bioware has taken away from this, is that you know Bioware doesn't even make great stories. They make great characters that make you feel like this character is part of your life, and that even after you put the game away, you can talk to your friends and and you can talk about Garrus as if he was there walking around. He um, was there. I, yes, yes, he, he was there. He is there. Um, I, I go to the writers' pit all the time, and I'll I'll talk about them, and I'll be like, well, what is this person meaning with this? And I'm I'm very lucky to um, not get like pushed out of the the writers' room at that point, but. Um, Everyone, everyone is a Mass Effect fan. Everyone who works at Bioware are fans of what we do. And I think that that's what I'm most proud of is that, you know, obviously, like Victoria was saying, it's, um, it's kind of when, when you're on the other side of it, um, it can be kind of like, oh, well, this is funny and this is a really cheeky way of getting our point across. But to the people on the other side, you know, this is really serious and no one wanted this to happen. Um, and people took it really personally because we'd all been working, you know, like 16, 20 hour days on this. And then to find out that, you know, someone doesn't like something that's, you know, no, no one's ever going to feel good about that. But I think that the team really picked themselves up and really took a lot of learnings from it. And they 
they took it with a smile and said, okay, here's some, here's some amazing, you know, things that we've learned. We've learned that our characters um, have a, an impact on people's lives. And I've heard so many stories about the way that Mass Effect has touched different people and helped them get through illness and through death and through, um, you know, suicidal thoughts and, and through um, their own identity as, uh, you know, their sex and gender. And, and, you know, you can't ever go home at night and not feel really proud about what you're doing in that sense. I'm going to give it a moment of silence. <laughs> okay, now let's move to the extended cut. Uh, I know everyone wants to hear about that, and we'll talk about our own characters. Which option did you choose at the end? Synthesis, control, or destroy, and why? Uh, Victoria, let's start with you. Uh in the original or in the extended cut? Let's say, first of all, in the original, did you change your ending from what the original was to the extended cut? Did you change it from those two? And then which one did you pick and why? Um, in the original, I picked control first, thought I'd made a mistake and picked destroy, and then I was like, oh no, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> and I felt a the bit like, <laughs> I felt like left hanging, and then when the EC came out, I was like, right, let's try this again. And I felt, um, a lot worse about Destroy this time. And to be quite honest, I struggle with the moral complexities of all three um, endings. I secretly like the refusal ending, but we may come to that <laughs> later, if I'm still alive. Um, I struggle with the morality of them all, and I feel at the minute like it doesn't have an ending for me because I, I can't make the choice. Like, uh. I won't. And um, I, I lean towards control. We had a really interesting discussion on the forum about the control ending and the possibilities that are opened with that. Uh, so I lean towards that as the lesser of evils, but I feel uh, that the morality is just too much for me to pick and feel like, good, done. You know? <laughs> so I, f I feel like unchooser. <laughs> I'm Victoria the Unready. <laughs> okay. I picked synthesis in both, although I felt guilty about it in the first one because I felt like it was anti everything I had done up to that point, you know, and then suddenly I'm joining the two where I felt like, you know, you're fighting the Reapers, you should just destroy them, that's how it is. But I felt like in the extended uh, cut, it was almost like synergy was where they want, or synthesis was where they wanted you to go. Like I felt like that was the one that had the most support and it was almost like, here's the central path don't look there, don't look there, walk there, you know, like it seemed to me a little more just like the natural way your character went. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I'm going to move to, um, I think Krista, and you can answer that too if you want. I know I'm throwing like five questions at you at once. <laughs> Pick one, choose. Huh, so many questions. Um, I actually, I agree with the thing about synthesis. Um, where I felt like that was supposedly like the right answer. Like I got the impression, especially after the extended cut, that that was like the one where Bioware was like, which one is the right answer? This is the good one. Um, and actually synthesis is, I think after the extended cut, m the most interesting. Um, whenever I saw synthesis originally, I was like, this is I don't like this. Is all this dumb. This is terrible. Why? Why would I like? I literally. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. Like, I was like, why would I choose that? That's terrible. Um, but I actually found it to be the most fascinating um, in the DLC. I really liked. Um, it sounds really. This is going to sound really shallow. I really liked the graphics. I liked what they did with the like the shimmering, like the oh, like compute. Yeah. No, no. Like on the people. Like the people would like to show yeah. that they were synthesized. Like I really liked the graphic. I loved. Um, 
I hope I'm not mixing up my DLC innings because everyone will yell at me. I really liked uh, Edie's voiceover a lot. Mm-hmm. I almost almost cried. That was really sweet. I, st- <laughs> I still, like, my shepherd, like, Chris's shepherd would never pick Synthesis, but I found it to be the most interesting when it came to the DLC. Like, I was like, oh, this is kind of, okay, this is actually kind of cool. <laughs> Um, but I'm, you guys already know me well enough to know puppies, rainbows, kittens, ticker tape parade. I love Shepard. I don't want to die. So yeah, so I picked, uh, the destroy and I will always pick the destroy. Um, I was also, we're allowed to say bad words here, right? I was also impressed with what I call the, I'm calling it the fuck you ending. Was shooting the star child or just yeah. saying, I refuse yeah, yeah. to choose. Yeah, like, no. And then Harbinger yells at you. I've been calling it the fuck you ending. Oh, that <laughs> voice is so scary. The star child looks at you and yeah. like, fine. And it's like evil voice. Okay, then. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, so that one didn't really, uh, that one wasn't my thing. But I that was the first one that I checked out. And I thought that was cool that it exists because I know a lot of people wanted that. So, but yeah, I will always go for whatever the option is where Shepard's not dead. Okay. See Saving Edie and the Geth became more and more my priority throughout the whole thing. So at the end, I was kind of like, oh, I don't care about the Reapers. I really just want Edie to live. Anyway, Jessica, what is your what was your solution and why? So um, in the original, um, I played it on my dev kit um, uh, like about a month before it came out. And my first one was Synthesis. Um, and I, I remember after I played, I had like a million questions and I... I texted like five different devs and I was like I need to talk to someone about this because I can't talk to anyone in the community so you need to talk to me and help me help me uh get over the fact that you know the credits are rolling and this game is done and oh my god I feel so many things um I always thought I always really liked synthesis um Mm -hmm. I've always I've always liked um and this is this is probably just gonna sound like um like I'm, I'm reciting something that someone told me to say, but it's not. Um, I've always liked the kind of ethical uh, gray areas of all of the choices. You know, all of them have pluses and minuses. Um, and synthesis for me always made the most sense. Um, and the new ending, I remember when I was I was uh, playing it with some focus test groups that we had, and the first thing I, I did was I remembered that um, okay, a lot of people don't want any of these options. So um, I was joking around and I shot the catalyst, and I was like, whoa, okay, oh my gosh, wow, all right, oops, didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I actually, I actually ended up really liking that one, um, shooting the catalyst, or just saying like, no, you know, I'm not going to make the choice for all of these people, um, because that, that, you know, for for a lot of people, that's not the way it would be. So um, I really liked that, and I liked, I, I, you know, I'm an archaeologist, so I, I loved that Liara's time capsule in that sense became really important, yes. um, and, and that you had um, a secondary narrator at the end who was a, a woman, um, and you could really see that that caused a very distinctive different ending, um, and that Shepard's work wasn't just, you know, for nothing, because it actually made the next group so that they, I assume, you know, no one had to die and they were able to engage this before, you know, 
the destruction of most of their home worlds. Um, I still, for my canon playthroughs, I have two. Um, I have one that I choose the destroy ending because I do like a lot of a lot of the ideas around um, what if Shepard was indoctrinated. Um, so I do have that kind of mindset in one of my playthroughs, and then I have one where it's you know it's a literal interpretation. Um, and I always choose synthesis in that. And um, I, I think all three of the endings, um, I watch them like on YouTube and I, I think that all of them have some really cool strengths, but synthesis for me is 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 my, my Shepherd's ending. Okay. To all of you uh, on the ending, do you feel like there were things that you didn't have answered that you'd like to have answered? Or do you feel content with uh, with the explanations you received, having the extra information. Um, also, I would have to ask, I think one of the things that I read that people have kind of questions about is perhaps what happened to Shepard. Uh, I know in Destroy you kind of see her, and in my case her, take a breath, and you don't really know. My assumption, and you can answer or not, Jessica, as well as <laughs> Bior says, my assumption that there will be some sort of Mass Effect for, I don't know if it would involve Shepard, but it's sort of leaving the door open to the possibility that there could be further adventures for Shepard. Is there any comment about that or no? Um, right now, um, our, you know, our latest kind of official comment on that is that Mass Effect 3 is the end of Shepard's story. Okay. Um, and that we don't have any plans to, um, to further, um, kind of go back to the endings. Um, however, you know, countless video game companies say stuff like that and then, you know, it completely gets thrown out the window. So if that changes in the future, I'm not lying to you right now, but, um, I, you know, at this time, there, there really are no plans to expand upon that. Okay. And how about the question where you feel like, are there things that you feel that were unanswered that you would have liked to have had more information on or do you feel content with um, the extended cut pretty much solving those issues? Um, I mean, of course, there's there's always questions that um, that I have, and you know, this isn't going to be something that applies for everyone. But for me, I kind of always like the you know always always leave them wanting more kind of a thing. So I can understand a lot of those questions. Um, you know, there is still more single player content um, coming out, and uh, so I do have hope for me. And you know, I I say this kind of bias because I do know some of the stuff, but, um, you know, that maybe future single player content will answer some of those, those questions that I, I had. Okay. I know that hold the line is petitioning to have, I don't know if you call it petitioning, but there probably will be a petition to have like a DLC for, uh, love interest relationships. So we'll see how that goes, if that happens or doesn't happen, but I'm sure there's potential for tons of DLCs, um, you know, to answer any of those questions that people might want more information on. Spin oh, yeah. <laughs> I am, I am like, I, I can't, I wish I could say something, but um, I can't, but there is some really, really amazing stuff coming out of, uh, out of the writing room and out of, you know, cinematics and gameplay and combat, like they're all, they're doing some really amazing things. So for everyone who says like, hey, Jessica, should I uh, return my copy of Mass Effect 3 and trade it in? Of course, like my answer is going to be no, obviously, but like <laughs> you're playing as, multiplayer. Don't yeah. even say that <laughs> as as uh, someone who does have some inside knowledge, like I would I would say that there's some really cool stuff coming out that you want to keep keep your game for. Okay. 
Uh, Krista and Victoria, same question to you about the uh, extended cut. And I have to say we're down to the five-minute warning. Um, some people have meetings and have to go. So chat room, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask, now is the time to start writing them so I can pick a couple. And we'll move to you, Krista, about the extended cut. Questions you would like answered or no? Um, the only thing that I was like, oh, I don't understand. Um, and this is very Krista. Um, I can't. Why was Garrus the one that told Joker that they had to leave? There's no way. There's no way that would have happened. That's the old, like that was the one thing Jeff. I was like, this isn't realistic. Garrus wouldn't leave. Uh, yeah, but besides that, no. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect with the DLC, so I didn't set any sort of expectation because I didn't want to. I don't know. Like I just wanted to play it and see what happened. So um, I'm different from most people. I, I didn't set expectations because I didn't want them to either like fit or not fit what I came up with. So I just kind of, I just kind of watched and saw what happened. So yeah, but Garrett wouldn't leave me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Victoria. Um, yeah, I, I also kind of had that question, um, and I think it's probably one of the difficulties in implementing mechanics where. Uh, it's the same line that can come out of several characters' mouths, and for some characters, it makes absolute sense. They would say that, and for other characters, when it comes out of their mouth, it's a really uh, jarring kind of experience. But I think that's some kind of technical thing rather than something they implemented in the story. And I suppose if I could ask any question, I would ask, when people say we can rebuild Edie and the Geth, for me, you can rebuild their construct like two humans can have more children. But you can't bring back Edie. You can't bring back the individuals that comprise the Geth consensus. Um, so for me, it would be like saying, "Let's sacrifice your kid. You can have more, <laughs> but it's not. It's not the same. It's not the same person." And I wonder, um, as people are using that as a justification for destroy, uh, if there was ever a definitive answer on the uh, ability to rebuild Edie, not just robots and mm -hmm. uh, AI and VI, but Edie. Well, the entire oh, quest line, basically, does this one have a soul, is kind of like trying to get you to think about that question. So, I, you yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, and I, I see them as individuals with uh, lives, you know, that can't be replaced even if their form is replaced. Very true. Okay, let's see if we have any questions that we should ask you before I wrap up. Um, people are asking, I guess, about the relationship between uh, HTL and BioWare, if there's like. I know there, I believe at least, that there are Bioware employees that are members of HTL or people that are on the forums as well. So they're asking Jessica about that. Is there like a any tie between HTL and Bioware? Um, I, I think that one of one of the parts of my job and um, Chris's job and you know our, our regional community managers like Tully in um, in the UK, Daniela in Germany, and Lion in. Um, in the Nordics is is reaching out to what we consider to be kind of fan outlets, um, you know, positive or negative, finding out what they're doing. So we um, have you know done a lot of things with the Grey Wardens. Um, Chris and I have both been semi-active on Hold the Line, um, and I do really like that Hold the Line isn't isn't Mass Effect specific. I'd love to see where it ends up going because I do think that it is important to have a space to create dialogues and and keep people accountable um, and and but still be friendly about it. Um, so oh gosh, I'm slipping into Canadian yeah, accent. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I spent too much time up there. So I would I would say definitely um, 
it, you know, those kind of things definitely do hit our radar. And we try to, um, we try to step outside of the Bioware social network in our Facebook and Twitter as much as possible. So you'll see us around. Okay. And to Victoria and Krista, where do you see the future of Hold the Line going? I know there's still some things you're, uh, you guys are working on, um, talking about DLCs and trying to interact in that way. Um, as Victoria said, she feels that retake uh, has pretty much had its day and, and done its purpose and accomplished, you know, what its goal was. What do you think uh, HTL would be doing in the future? Where do you see that going? I think that um, people can definitely look at the mission statement. A lot of people don't know what the mission statement is. I do not have it on hand quick enough to read it, nor do we have time. But um, it's always been really clear from the get-go. Like, we didn't change that halfway through. HTL's always had a really defined, like, gamer advocacy um, mission statement, which is really easy to find on the website. And um, people should really check that out because I think it defines itself. Like, there's not much that we have to, I mean, specifically in details, I'm not exactly sure, like, oh, this is our next step is A, B, or C, but um, I think that the purpose is pretty clear and it has been since the, the site was created. The okay. next thing we'll, we'll be implementing are uh, an article system. So if you have a pressing issue that you want to write in article form, that'll be there, a review system uh, to allow gamers to review the games they're playing um, in the hopes to create a more community-led review system rather than relying on um, you know, kind of a smallish handful of critics, yeah. Um, and I think the major thing to remember about HTL that is kind of getting swept up um, in passion and kind of thing is that HTL aims to be a neutral entity. Um, uh, and HTL, in fact, isn't an entity. It's a platform um, to enable you to uh, have access to tools and people that you otherwise would not have access to. Um, so HTL doesn't have an opinion. Um, and technically HTL won't be pushing for a romance DLC, its members will. Um, and I think it's important to remember that because we have members with a lot of different opinions and sometimes they feel a little bit hurt when someone says, HTL wants, you know, to do this, we want to get this, and they say, I don't want that. Oh, I see. Um, so yeah. so um, it's kind of really important to remember that HTL is just a platform um, and we're kind of, uh, the aim is to help you um, as much as we can get your voice heard um, and also have fun as a community uh, we've got games tournaments starting and it's going to be great um, so I'm hoping to expand beyond that and become a portal to um, this dialogue that I was talking about earlier which I really hope kind of goes ahead uh, just because I think it will be useful and I really would love to nurture a culture of uh, civility and decency um, in a place where a lot of people feel they don't have to be civil and decent um, well said Okay, thank you chat room for coming and for those who couldn't make it tonight, this recording will be saved on Twitch and available for viewing after and on iTunes on Tuesday at Gray Area Podcast. A big thank you to Jessica and you can find her on Twitter at Jessica Marizen and Krista as at Kitten, K-I-H-T-E-N and Victoria at Siren on Twitter and you can fill out her uh, Skyrim, <laughs> Skyrim for a uh, survey about that, you should do that. And I encourage you to visit holdtheline.com and participate with the great community as well as the Bioware forums. If you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just any new perspective, email your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode. And please subscribe if you like it. Don't forget to vote for the one of nine contest, which I will be posting about frequently. And I really, really, really would appreciate if you would, because it really only takes two seconds to click on the star 
and also it would help me achieve a dream of mine. So if you've ever thought about giving back to the show, or if you've ever thought about, um, I don't know, showing love, please show me love. Thank you.